And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. James, it is a December edition of the pod. I think it's our first December podcast. I don't know why that's relevant, but there is snow outside. Well, we're sitting at my house next to my Christmas tree. So that is relevant. <laughs> Very relevant. That's why you're, that's why, you're, and I, we've got a Christmas village and Santa's and my kids have completely destroyed my house and we're sitting in the, the wreckage that lies around us. Are you in on, like, are you, do you like when it snows or you, would you just rather like just get through this and then be done with winter? Uh, I like snow if I don't have to drive anywhere far and mm. like today I have to drive somewhere far. So it's not, uh, that the weekend was, that storm was crazy. I had to drive in that and it was... Yes, it not, was not great. Bad. Yeah. Just pop on the Leaf Report pod and just listen back to well, yourself and me. I already know. I already know everything we said because yeah. I, w- I was there for it. Sometimes people on Twitter are saying like, "Oh, Jonas said this and this," and it's like, "Yeah, I know. I was. Like, I was there. <laughs> I was there. <laughs> I know well, what he said." Uh, we have a lot to talk about. Obviously, a lot has happened. It's it's funny like how hockey and sports works. It for a while like everything is going great for the Leafs. Obviously, well, they win getting- fourteen of sixteen. It was getting kind of boring. It was like, okay, do, 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 do. And then all of a sudden, just like everything. And then just chaos. Everything like, all of a sudden, happening. like they lose a couple. Marner gets hurt. Practice injuries. Um, Matthews is on a tear. Anyway, lots of discuss. The Winnipeg game. The Winnipeg game, which we're going to get into. We'll get into the Jason Spezza suspension. We'll take questions in the pod bag. Uh, but I think we should start with Matthews and the stretch that he's been on. 10 goals in the last seven games. 13 points. He just looks like himself again. I think that's what's most um, positive. I think that was expected. Like at, at some point he was going to get back on track. You figured, I probably underassumed how how much of an impact, not just the surgery, but the aftermath, missing training camp, missing the preseason. Well, I think he did too, right? I think I he might have too. I think he, I didn't think they, they didn't think it was going to take quite as long as it did to, he would, but the thing is he like, he played well, like, oh, 
the interesting thing is like all of like the defensive metrics and everything for him were really, really good early in the yes. season. It was just stick handling and shooting really that wasn't all there. And yeah, but now, I mean, with 10 goals in the last seven games and he's really, uh, it was looking like if you look two weeks ago, it's like, well, I guess he's not winning the Richard this year. And then now it's like, well, maybe he's only like three, four, he's goals, four back. goals back now. Yeah. Uh, like if you're picking someone to win it right now, I think he would be the guy. Like wouldn't, how would you pick against him? Yeah. And it feels like, like Dreisaitl and Ovechkin, their shooting percentage is really high. And at some point it's going to slow down a little bit. And well, I'm glad you brought that up. I think that's one I do want to, break down a little bit of his production so far. But one thing that's interesting when you look at his career, his shooting percentages are always pretty high, but they're not like outrageously. Like he has no season where he's in like the twenties. Like I think his highest is like 18 and change. Yeah, almost, no, think, almost no one has a season in the twenties though. Like you'd have to be like a guy that doesn't ever shoot to get up there. You don't think like there's going to be season. one season where he just has a crazy shooting percentage and scores. I mean, like, he, it's just, it was he, on my mind because we were, I was on overdrive uh, yesterday, Monday or Tuesday. And we were talking about like, could he score 70? I was just thinking if there's one year where he shoots like 23, 24%, like maybe he can score 70. Well, I, I thought know. you meant like in general in the league, there's not one where like it, it, the thing is, is that his shooting percentage, his normal shooting percentage is so outrageously high that like for someone who shoots that much. Yeah. That's yeah. why he scores so much because he generates like four plus shots a game and, and he can sustain like 17, 16, 17. I remember when line a first came into the league, remember that first year and oh, yeah. line a had like 18% shooting or whatever. And I made a bet with Travis Yost that we made a bet. I think after his first year and it's like, I bet that he would have under 15% shooting for the next four years or something like we, cause shooting percentage, you need like a long, a long, and I'm pretty sure I won that bet. Like line is gone with like most players. The only players that can shoot over 15% over a long period of time, it's been like Kovalchuk, Stamkos, even Ovechkin doesn't do it because the Ovechkin is just like a volume guy. Like he shoots mm -hmm. like so much, but anyway, Matthews is, he's a unicorn. He's, he's completely unique. Well, so one of the things um, I wrote about it today for the athletics, so it's, it's very on my mind. Um, one of the things I can looking through some of the numbers is his power play production is up. Um, he's on pace for like a career high in power play goals. He's two points from his power play total last year. And one of the things that was interesting, like before the season, you look at McDavid, you look at Dreisaitl, and those guys just like had like, I think it was like two or three, maybe it was two times, three, it might've been three times as much power play production as Matthews and Marner. And you start to think if, if that element comes in, it just adds to, I guess it doesn't matter if the team is winning, but it just adds another element for him to produce goals well, and produce offense. They had to figure out the power play this year. Like it just was costing them yeah. playoff series and it was costing them games at the end of last year. And the power play was, you can't have a power, like their power play was like seven, 8% success rate for 30 plus games the last year. worst in the league. It was, I believe. Yeah. Them and the ducks. Which is nuts. Yeah. So with the personnel you have, that's a huge failure of the system and of the players and the power play looks way better this year. I, I really like how it looks. Yeah. Like it's just, there's, there's action all the time. The puck is moving. They're moving. I don't know what the, do you think they're telling Nylander to do something different because he's normally been good on the power play, but now he just looks well, like he's shooting it way more yeah. and he has the puck way more. I just don't yeah. think like it felt last year and, and even the year before that, it felt very static. Like it was like, you stay here, you stay here, you stay here. We're going to try to get the Matthews one time. And it's now it's like, that's not the plan. It's like maybe Marner's going to, or maybe Riley's going to shoot it from the point. Maybe they're going to open up for a, a knee under one time, or maybe they're going to shovel it down. Why to they got stuck in a system that was so easy for other teams to predict what was going to happen and to shut question. down. Like, is that, 
was because Mal, it wasn't was, was, was Mel Holtra the wrong guy to run a power play? Like I don't know how much experience he had doing that. Well, it's interesting. It seemed like Mal Holtra really wanted to have the two units and wanted to have like his priority. He wanted to have a net front guy, and it kind of seemed to me like Keith preferred the loaded up group. And they kind of toggled back and forth between the two. And then eventually, I think they just went to the star type group. Mm -hmm. But they never kind of evolved from Matthew's one-timer is our go-to thing. Like, there were no other threats. Like, Neilander wasn't involved. Yeah. Like, I, I looked at the numbers. He was a second unit, right? A lot no, of the time? Yeah, a lot of the time. And he, But even, like... With nobody. He, his attempts this year have, like, have almost, like, doubled on the power play. Which per is minute or just... Per 60. Yeah. So he's just way more involved than Tavares, I think, is more involved too. That's yeah, I just notice Neilander all the time on the power play now. As you should. It, like, it makes sense that he would be good there. Wouldn't like, it? I, like he's well, a great passer. He's even a great saw shooter. that early in his career with yeah. he was really good on the power play. So what's obviously interesting, and we haven't touched on the injuries, Marner, Sandine, Dermot. But I think what's what's Maratic. interesting Marat well, he's coming back and uh, Mikhaev. Um, uh Semyonov went back to Russia. Yeah. But that's not what we're talking about yet. We're getting to hurt? that. Isn't there some other people that are hurt? Mm, I don't think, Joseph I think Wall that's had a it. minor injury. I think that's it for now. I can pull up my chart. I'm just but <laughs> what I think is interesting for like the next few weeks when they're going to be without Marner is I want to see Matthews with, with just guys like He's going to have bunting, and then we'll see who plays right wing. And Simmons with, for now. You want him with Richie and Steves? I, yeah, honestly, no. <laughs> but, like, I, I'm curious to see what it looks like for a month. You want him to bank goals off Engvall's neck? I the, think he could score with anyone, I guess is my point, what I'm getting to. Yeah. So, maybe, like, the future, like, how are the Leafs going to fix their cap situation next year? They just have a couple tin cans on his wings. And yeah. And just he just drags them along. He was asked after the game. Matthews was asked after the game. Uh do you have to change your game when you're playing with Bunting and Simmons? And you didn't like really give a definitive answer. But to me, watching the game, he has to carry the puck a lot more. A lot more. Like he's the... Uh, and I don't think that's a bad thing. No. Well, he's hard to get the puck away from. Yeah. You know, what's one of the things that, that's really impressive about his game. And like every night you see it is just how easily he strips pucks from from people in the in the defensive zone. Like he you can see why Mike Babcock talked about him like this guy could win a Selkie trophy, he could be the best defensive forward in the league. He does it so easily. He's so big, he's so strong, he's so skilled. That's one of the things like I've highlighted in my notes to kind of pull out at some point. He's so good at that. And I know we're talking a lot about the offense, but like that's one of the things that is almost like I get it. It it just feels a little underappreciated just because it makes sense. Like well, that's something so he's outrageous. kind of quietly layered into his game over the over the years. And it gets yeah. better and better and better. He gets yes. better on faceoffs. He gets better, you mm -hmm. know, playing in the defensive zone and all of those. If people haven't seen them, go to uh, Evolving Hockey and they have those RAPM charts. And I think you have to be a subscriber to them to look at them. It's in my story today. In like the defensive results that Matthews is putting up over time, just continue to improve to the point where like Selkie's not getting Selkie votes is not out of the question. I don't think anymore. No. All right. Well, let's um, talk about the injuries. So Marner has a shoulder injury. Uh, Rasmus Sandin has some sort of knee injury. Mikheyev. Mikheyev. He's coming back. Like Mur he's Mrazic. Mrazic. You keep mentioning. Um, left. Yeah. Do you want to just? Keep going and say them again. Dermot. You haven't mentioned Dermot. That's, well, you should have done I that. I knew you were going to do that. Okay. Um, so, so, Christian Rubens to the rescue. Yeah, Christian Rubens, Alex Steves. 
Um, do you want to start there? They don't really have like a guy you'd be like, if there's an injury, that guy's coming up. I guess like Rubens on the back end for maybe like you could, Diego well, would have been a natural call up just oh, because of his experience. Nick Robertson's out right now. Like he could have been a guy that they would have, yes. you know, they would have been yeah. like call up. They have some like veteran guys, like they have Senny and you know, like you know, some of those Senny. That's what I meant. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I. But the thing though, th- like with Rubens and and uh, Steves, they don't need them to play a lot of minutes, right? Like that's you know their depth forwards. I was I, I was saying this on the radio today. Of all their forwards, I think the only one that hasn't had a good season is is probably Richie. I'm looking at those. Yeah, like yeah. They, like everybody, everybody's played well. The thing that too Matthews, is Matthews, Marner, Neander, Tavares, Bunting, McKeever hasn't played. Camp has had a good year. Cash has had a good year. Simmons had a good year. Spets has had a good year. Kerfoot's had a good year. Engvall's had a good year. Clifford's barely played. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like all. So like this is I never I can't remember another Leaf season where. The forward group has been all four lines have an identity. That's how you win fourteen of sixteen or whatever it is now. Yeah. I guess fifteen of all the forwards played really well. The, the D hasn't been perfect, but mm-hmm. like when you have all your forward lines rolling and 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 you have an identity and you're playing well to it, it's and now that gets shaken up with the injuries. But I don't necessarily think that's the worst thing. I think they can get a look at some of these different guys and you know figure out you know what they're going to do. Yeah. Well. well one way you get around your the issues that they had years ago at the draft, like you, you can't really look at the recent drafts, but like those 15, 16, 17 years is you kind of have to hit some stuff around the margins. And it's like you you have to hit on your free agents. Like they don't have a lot of money to spend. They're, they're kind of bargain shopping. And you hit on undrafted guys like Christian Rubens, undrafted, Alex Steves, undrafted. Like you go back in the past, like Trevor Moore, well, Justin there's your Hall, amateur scouting Justin department. Justin drafted, but yeah. Your amateur scouting department, like find find the diamonds in the rough, find find players that could be something, and even if those guys end up being, you know, fourth line forwards that contribute or third pair D that contribute, if you're getting them on entry level contracts where they're making seven hundred and fifty k, that's useful. Yeah, the thing is, like, I still I still wonder about their depth over the next few weeks without Marner, without Sandine, without Dermot. And here's what I'm wondering. I don't think they have a great option to play with Matthews. And yet I don't know that it's going to matter. Like if Matthews continues to play like this, that line is going to be productive. The Tavares, Neil under Kerfoot combo has really worked. Kampf and Kasha is a successful combo. So like maybe that's just going to be enough. And then you look on D, D like you probably have some questions. Like I, I think there is, we were talking about this at the game. I would be a little bit concerned about what's going on in their top four and obviously specifically with, with Justin Hall and the yeah. problems that presents. But for the next few weeks, like if, if it's just Muzzin Hall and your third pair is Rubens Lilligren, like and Dermot's going to be back soon. Like, I don't know that that's a huge deal. If we were doing most disappointing players so far, I think that the vast majority of Leafs fans and media would, would no, I'd say would pick Justin Hall. Oh like, yeah, you, oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say it was, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah. maybe some people might pick Richie, but like a Hall was supposed to be a top four D, and like I don't yeah. really, we don't. I one of the questions I, I got in the mailbag was what's wrong with Justin Hall, and I'm not really sure. It's just it's almost like like he was sick to start the year, mm-hmm. and then he just played poorly, and then it's like it's his game is completely unraveled, and he doesn't have any confidence. Yes, he doesn't look like a confident player now. 
and he's getting scored on like a lot of the defensive numbers are, are pretty bad um like shockingly when you compare them to last year yeah the results are completely different well and, and obviously this ties back to their decision in the expansion draft which is sound at the time like you, you don't get the benefit of hindsight when you make that decision like i thought it made total sense like if you didn't protect justin hall at that time your top four looked really good you were confident about justin hall how would you replace justin hall for two million fair but if this is what he is that's a problem well now they're trying to trade him and like they're not gonna get much back like well now you have to get someone better yeah and that's a problem yeah but i was saying uh we were having a debate during the game and i was like we should save this for the podcast but i was yes. saying like sandine has played so well in that third pair that i would like to tr try and get him some more minutes he, i mean obviously he's out right now but when he comes back if hall is still struggling i know it's not ideal you don't you don't want him to play against other teams top lines so that's tricky and it's hard to say that's the thing like it's nice to say yeah they should just play sandy in the top four okay where and how yeah the problem is that riley can't play the right side and muzzin can't play the right <laughs> yes. side now brody can play both sides but that doesn't really help you in this no it doesn't well, then everybody's on the left everybody's a left <laughs> uh, those are all left shots and that's part of what happened with hall it's like it's just really hard to find guys that it's it's not even like people always say like well he doesn't have to be a right shot and it's true mm -hmm. but some d that are left shots do not want to and cannot play the, la the their their other side. Muzzin, Muzzin can't do it, and Riley. Can't, I, we've never Riley seen. Riley has done it and is willing to do it, but like I don't think. But remember, but when they, they don't want to do it. Remember, because, they did it at the beginning of that one season. Who did he play with? Did he play with Muzzin? Yeah, yeah. No, that was after the trade. After the and, and yeah, that's right. Uh, right before Babcock because, got let go, right? Yeah. Remember when they traded for Muzzin? It was like, well, can this guy play the right side? And then it very became quickly, no, he doesn't play the right side. So Riley was like, I'll play the right side. Yeah. And they did not like that. Like, yeah. They basically feel like it's taking away from what Riley does really well by putting him on his off side, so, which is fair. But like, if people are listening to this and saying like, well, they can just like put whoever on the right side. The, the players don't want it. The coaches don't want it. The analytics staff doesn't want it. Like, I think, I think you and I like did a deep dive into like some of the numbers and stuff when Riley was on the right side. And it's like, he's not generating, like mm -hmm. he can't, his breakout's not the same, you know, like, well, but you know what this gets to is we mentioned Dermot. That was kind of like your, your fallback plan. And they that tried could, Dermot. That he could play the right that side. That he could play the right side. They tried Dermot with Riley and it did not go well at all. And so that creates, so I that's think, part of the problem. I think I would give Sandine a shot there if I, I, I agree. It's just with who? Like, are you going to play him on the right well, side with Muzzin? Like, what you're are you gonna, doing? You're probably going to have to do Muzzin with Brody again, and then Sandine with Riley. And like, they would never. I would. Do you think that? I guess. Hey, Sheldon Keith played Riley with Barry, so maybe you're right. It's better than. It's better than Hall, like looking like not an NHL player, like playing 22 minutes a night. Like, I don't know. Until they can make some kind of a trade and bring in another defenseman, which I know is where you're going, they're going to have to try something different. That's a lot to ask of a kid, and he just got hurt. This is his first season. Well, full the other season. thing, too, Jonas, is like you need to know what Sandine is. Like, you need to start, like, is, is Sandine good enough to play in the top four? Because if the answer is yes, you're going to have to, like, clear. Some he's either going to have to play the right side to play in the top four Fair. at some point. Yep. Or you're going to have to trade Muzzin because you're not yes. trading Riley. Yeah. I just think Sandine has been so good and he's crushed those third pair minutes, which doesn't always mean that they're. Well, this was, this was the subject of our, our debate. I said, like you were pointing that out fairly. And I was saying, well, he's not really playing against anyone. Like you have to take those numbers with a grain of salt because he's, his competition level is low. They, they don't totally shelter him. Like, he starts a fair bit in his own zone. Yeah. But 
just because like Travis Dermott's always had pretty good underlying numbers, but it was the same kind of thing. Like he was being sheltered. Yeah. But, but it, this is a little different, but to like, be fair. Sandines are better, right? Yeah, like, sure. so like, it, it's not just like, is he good in third pair of minutes? I think Sandine's completely crushing the third pair of minutes and I would want to see him attempt. So I don't know. I mean, I don't, I, this is where I wish we could go in the dressing room and go talk to Sandine and like, how much you played on the right side? Would you be comfortable playing there? Blah, 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 blah. You know, like, and it's just hard to have those conversations it just doesn't right feel, now. Yeah, for sure it is. Well, and it just doesn't feel like that's in the middle of his first full season in the league. They're just going to switch him to his offside. Like I, I mm, just you can don't do is really play the guys that. you got, right? Like, yeah, fair. All right, let's take a break. And then I want to talk a little bit about Marner because that's a, the biggest absence, uh, a little bit about, the Spezza suspension, and then we'll get into the pod back. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right. We haven't spent much time on, on Mitch Marner missing a few weeks. He's one of their three, hey, four most important let players. Let me interrupt yeah. you. Did you see the play at practice where he got hurt? Sort of. Like I it caught like it out of the, the corner side, of my right? eye. Because there's no good, I don't think there's good video of the collision. No, you. what you heard was kind of like the aftermath of it. Um, you kind of heard the collision, honestly. And then you see him lying face down on the ice for a second. And you're like, oh boy. And then you remember like this happened earlier in the year where he got hit by Wayne Simmons same sort of thing, and then he left that practice, and of course he left this practice. Do you, like was Marner trying to like dangle around Muzzin, and he? I think it was just a miscommunication. Like this happens at practice a lot. It just doesn't because you're doing like a lot of drills. Yeah, and guys crash into each other. Like it it probably happens once every other practice or once. Yeah, so I asked someone around the team what happened, and they said nothing. Part of practice. Yeah, I think they're right. It's just this was he caught him the right way. He's a big dude. And he, he heard him. Like I, I was, my initial concern was that he suffered a concussion or had some sort of issue like well, that's that. that's what it, a lot of people thought. Yeah. yeah. And that's what it seemed like. And but, then obviously it's they, his shoulder. they say it's his shoulder. So it creates obviously. Don't, don't, it's his shoulder. Like I'm not, what do you mean? No, well, I was going to move They on. say his, his shoulder. It makes it sound like maybe it's not. No, I didn't mean that. Oh, okay. I'm not, I'm, I'm not conspiracy theory. They, they say, <laughs> they say it's his shoulder. That's what they say. I'm not a doctor. Like I didn't examine him. Um, what I was going to say is it creates a big void on that top line. It creates a big void on the power play penalty kill. It's kind of interesting. Basically they've given his special teams minutes to Kasha. And this kind of speaks to how important assigning that's looking like. And obviously the big question with Kasha the whole time was, can he stay healthy? And if he can stay healthy, like he could be something. 
Yeah, and he's missed some games and kind of murky what happened there and why, why he missed the games. And They did not say in that case, James. Yeah, no, they didn't say. But so I think it's fairly safe to assume potentially related to some of the issues he's had in the past. So I don't know that I could say that. Well, I mean, he was skating a bunch. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I, I like his him. versatility has yeah. been something. Yeah, I, I like I mean, I've been a fan of Kasha since the very beginning, since like training camp and since exhibition. And I just, he's one of those guys that just plays all out all the time. And regardless, and he, he fits with third line guys and he fits with skill guys and you can put him on the PK, you can put him on your top power play unit and he fits and he's got a good shot and he's a really good passer too, is what yep. I've noticed. Like that goal that Richie got was he wins the battle down low and he makes a perfect pass to him. What game number was that last? The last game was at 27. Oh man. You're going to uh, 26. Uh, I, I think I want to say 26, but I might be wrong. The game seemed to come so fast that 27 number 27, 27. So they've played more games than almost every team. There's yeah. A, they're due for there's obviously a, there's yeah. only like Montreal's played 27. So they're, you know, when is their, their schedule is going to, their schedule must thin out a bit in the second half then. Well, it's so crazy up until Christmas. Yeah. Like they play every other day. It's interesting, actually, you mentioned that. Sheldon Keefe was was not really happy with their performance against Columbus. And basically, he thinks that they were tired. And that's why today, as we're recording this, they are taking a day off, which I don't think was going to be the plan. Like, usually they would practice. Well, it's another day off, right? Because they had one earlier in the week, right? Yeah. Sunday? Yes. No, no, no. They played Sunday. I'm confused what day it is. No, they Friday? did not. Were they without Friday last yeah, week? Yeah, they played Sunday. Yeah, so I guess it's been a bit. They practiced Friday. They played Saturday. They played Sunday. They practiced Monday. They played Tuesday. Mm, day that's off. a yeah, lot. That's a that, lot. Yeah. Well, and then they play Thursday. Then they play Saturday. Then they go on the road. They play Tuesday in Edmonton, Wednesday in Calgary, Saturday in Vancouver. Like it's Sunday just a shit in Seattle. Show. Sunday in Seattle. Like it's they, a shit they've had show. a lot of road games too. Like you mix in like like Minnesota, Winnipeg, and they got the California trip the week before, and now they're Western Canada next week. Like it just. That that's a heavy schedule for well, sure. And I was not going here, but it's you keep bringing up your boy Mrazek. It's it's kind of important now that he's coming back. Now, obviously, there are tons of question marks about him, but it's it's helpful if he can play some of these games before Christmas to take the load off. Maybe Jack that Campbell. Seattle game makes sense because like the Kraken or yeah, kind of the crap, sure. the Krapkin so yeah, far. That actually does make sense. Well, I th- I think he'll be back before that. I yeah, would but, think. What, but I'm just thinking, what game do you give him? Calgary, Edmonton, one of those games. Oh, man. Flames Vancouver. Look, flames look good. I've been yeah. watching a lot of the Flames late at night. Yeah, they're pretty good. Daryl Sutter is a, a, a guru. Apparently. Genius. Markstrom's having a good year. But, like, a lot of their players are just, like, a lot of their forwards Kudrow's are just, had a good year. Yeah, a lot of their forwards are just back where they need to be. Lindholm's had a really good year. Yeah, but James is not the Flames report, so enough. It could be. Um, Jason Spezza is suspended for six games. That was, I mean, the first clue we got, obviously, was that he was going to have an in-person hearing with NHL player safety. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of really surprised that it was six games. Not once we knew it was an in-person hearing, you figured it was going to be something like that, but six games for Jason Spezza just seems like in light of some of the things that they've let go in the past, it's like, holy. Well, that's the thing that I think yeah, like other fan bases are saying like, oh, Leafs fans are whining and whatever. But like, if you look at like the standard that's been set by player safety, it's that almost everything is like one game or a fine. And by like repeat guys. Or, or two games. Did you see, are you, I don't know if you saw it, Elliot Friedman in his column, it came out last night. Did you see it yet? 
So he wrote about this as at the top of, of 32 thoughts. And he said, um, he found an example of a knee getting a big suspension and it's Brad Marchand falls over. It's like 2013 or something. Brad Marchand falls over and is on the ice and his head is kind of like popping up a little bit. And James Neal sees him there and skates like right up to him and like trucks his leg right through his face. See, that's that was five games. Wow. And it was like, if you watch it, it's like super intentional like right into a guy's head who's lying on the ice. Well, and so that was one of... how does Spezza get sick? That was one of their arguments. They said, like, if, if Pionk doesn't fall on the ice, he hits him legally. Yeah. Well, and I think that's what Spezza... Like, Spezza was not going to try and knee a guy in the face. But he was trying to... It did seem he was like trying he was trying to, trying to, hit, to hit, him. hit him hard. Yeah. Which is, I mean... I mean, earlier in the shift, he cross-checked him pretty good. That. Yeah. No, but, like, clearly he was kind of I think hunting the, for Pionk I for retribution play, on Sandine. The play is, it's a bad hit, and it should it's be a, a suspension. Yeah. But all we're saying is that in the context of the way this league is, I mean, like, the, that game got out of hand, and the officials made mistakes, and, like, yes. like how the Pionk hit on Sandine's not even a penalty, not even a two-minute penalty, and he gets a suspension for it. So, mm-hmm. like, that's... Spezzo that's, wasn't penalized. Right. It was, like, so clearly they missed some things yeah it's just it's it's just strange to see jason spets suspended for six games and yet one of the things i was wondering in the aftermath of that game i kind of feel like situations like that games like that bring a group together oh uh, you know i think that the the leafs don't the leafs hated the result of the suspension but they liked the kind of like yeah, just like the team thing, rising to the challenge, right? they like that, and and, and kind of backing one another. Like yeah, you no. saw how they showed on the broadcast how like angry Jason Spezza was. Yeah, I know. Yeah, the, the, the Leafs were they 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 want the guys to feel like they want to step up for each other and 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 be more of like a battle tested team, which they're yeah. gonna they're gonna need to be if they go into a series against Boston or Tampa or whoever. They're gonna have to play like that. Yeah, without taking dumb suspensions. It's it's really interesting the turn Spetz's career has taken here. This is a really like interesting part of his. No, I don't mean that. I just think the fact that now he's kind of like, he's in terms of approval rating for the Leafs on like unquestioned, like he might have the, the one approval rating. That's like a hundred percent. Like Jack Campbell probably too. Okay. And and maybe some other guys, but, the, but I, I just think it's interesting that how his career has gone. Like he has obviously this all-star run in, in Ottawa makes a final, but he wasn't like in Ottawa. He was kind of just like, they didn't totally appreciate him. That's one of the things I like, can researching a story last year. I did Ian Mendes told me like, he always felt like Jason Spencer was a little bit underappreciated well, overshadowed by some of the other guys. And... Yeah. And they always kind of looked at what he didn't do and right. like what he wasn't. And then he gets traded. Well, it was always his defensive game. That was yes, always and turnovers. Of, like you get like old school coaches that were like always yeah. like Hitchcock didn't like him in Dallas. Martin. Yeah. Um, but then he gets traded to Dallas. He has a good run in Dallas, but like it's, it's Dallas. It's kind of, it's a little bit off the it radar. It wasn't good at the end. It wasn't good at the end. Yeah. And now he comes to Toronto. People they were asking him when he was going to retire all the time. Right. And now he comes to Toronto. It's like, this guy could keep playing for a few more years. And like, he's been really effective, obviously the past couple years, he's playing for nothing. Like the team loves him. Like it's, I just think it's really interesting how that's worked you, out. You know what it speaks to, I think in part is like, 
putting a player in the appropriate role for yes. what they can contribute because like 100%. he's playing in Dallas they're playing him on like the second line third line he's 35 years old so like he that's not the player he is anymore yes and like asking him to like be airtight defensively on a second or a third line like mm-hmm. it doesn't make any sense but the Leafs aren't making those demands of him they're like you're going to be great on our second power play unit and you can like help us run it he's been fantastic at that yes and you can play in our fourth line and give us an identity and chip in some goals from there and he's been fantastic at that too it's very smart and it's what you see more often in like other sports where they'll take a guy and they give him a very targeted role, especially if he's like later in his career. Like in basketball, they'll play a guy like 12 minutes and like you just come in off the bench, hit some threes and that's it. And Spezza, it's like just play nine, 10 minutes, like you said, play in the power play, win some faceoffs. Anyway, it's it's really interesting because he's playing for nothing and it, like next year, it, it doesn't feel like they're really would be any question that he comes back. No, I mean, as long as he keeps playing like this, you just keep, I mean... He's one of those guys that's a complete workout fanatic. So maybe yes. he can play till he's 41 or something like that. Like maybe he'll be like a Char or a Thornton and be effective. And be effective, which is important. Let's take a break and then let's take a few questions in the pod bag. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, James, pod bag time, a reminder to support your local restaurants. When I leave here, I think I'm going to go to the bakery. We had some good sushi on the weekend. Oh, yeah? I think the place is called Toto. Is it a local spot? Yeah, it's, I mean, like I'm in the East End, Danforth area, so it's around here. It's, I didn't know you for a sushi oh, fan. I love, I love it. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. All right. First question in the pod bag. All right, here we go. From Matt. How big of a mistake was it to sign Morazic to such a long contract, given the goalies that were free agents this past offseason, i.e. Reimer, Ranta, Jones, etc.? Knowing Campbell was a UFA this year and money is tight, if you lose Campbell to free agency, how bad does this look for Kyle Dubas? Yeah. Well, did Reimer get two years, didn't he? I believe so. I believe, yeah. Jose, yeah. And Ranta did too. Like, Ranta hasn't played that great for Carolina. Uh, who's the anyone else here? I remember like we were talking about like Kudobin who's been bad and like Dallas wants to get rid of him now and mm-hmm. like Well my guy was uh what's his name? Halak. Who's been just fine. Like yeah. Vancouver's Halak terrible. Probably would have been okay. You I just liked him for one year and then you figure things out. You didn't out. know how good Campbell was going to be, right? Like, that's the no. thing. Like, and if, that's if, why, if you, like, if you knew Campbell was this good and could play 60 games, it's like, yeah, get a Halak. But, yes. like, they were worried that, like, what if Campbell can it gets hurt or can only play 40 games? Halak can't play 40 games. Yes. And they don't have a third Fair. guy that they're, like, really excited about. Well, and I think you brought up on the podcast, like, someone mentioning, like, that, or maybe it was a comment or something that, that, like, I doubted whether Campbell could do this. So did they. Like, they're, and fairly, like, how could you be sure that this, and, and, and it's only been 20 some odd games, but like, how could you be sure that this was what Campbell was? They wanted a pretty they big wouldn't have signed Mrazek for three years, 3.8. If they knew for sure. Campbell's yeah. Our guy. They wanted a pretty big insurance policy. Like they want, they, this was going to be a tandem, right? Like people were yeah. talking about like, these guys are going to switch. They're going to trade starts. They said this in training. They camp. said it. They're it gonna, wasn't us. Yeah. Well, it was us and them. So it wasn't like they had anointed Campbell by any means. And no, you know, it's a positive development that Campbell's been so good. Um, but it's it's a bit awkward. They they really need they need Marazic to come back and be good. Yes. Because that creates that that either 
gives them the ability to rest Campbell more, mm-hmm. which I think they're going to need to do in the second half of the season, or it gives the ability to trade Mrazek at some point. And I think you, I think you, I mean, it's going to depend on the cap situation and what they want to do at the deadline. I think that, but I think you keep Mrazek for the season. I don't think you try and trade him this year. And I don't I think agree. you can trade him this year with how much term is on the deal. And no, who would trade for him? And, the other thing, I think that they could keep Mrazek next year, even with Campbell getting a big contract. Well, you did a story on that, and you pointed out that basically they could keep more or less the same team. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think I think you'd have to move probably Richie's number, and you'd probably have to move like a Justin Hall or a Dermot or something out, mm-hmm. and then bring in some league minimum contracts. But you can probably fit in a big Campbell contract and not trade anyone else. Campbell has started twenty games. I believe his career high is twenty six. Yeah, so I, he's getting there. I mean, he. The expectation was he was going to play 40, 45 games. He's probably going to play low 50s now this year. We'll see. I mean, it, like that's the thing with Morasic. It's so, and it, it gets to the question, you have no idea what you're getting in terms of performance, in terms of health, in terms of consistency. Well, and I that mean, was like not unforeseen at the time. Like he's that's, hurt all the time. It's That contract's going to be a mess. Yes. Unless he can just like Roby to Island him, but he's not like he's like that old of a guy. Like his career is not over. No, I think he's the same age as Campbell, yeah. like twenty nine. The best um, case scenario is that he comes back and and is like at least average an average goalie. Yeah, just be like, which honestly, is what he's been in the past. They just really need him to be like exactly what you're saying, like better than Wall, better than Hutchinson, fine. And then you figure out the off season and the off season. Uh, next question. Has there been any follow-up regarding the refereeing in the game against Winnipeg? Can the team take action? Can anyone? I was very unimpressed by the way the refs handled that well, game. Well, the, the Leafs have complained about it. I mean, but the, the Leafs hated what happened. They didn't like what happened in the Minnesota game either, where, like, you know, the Campbell got run there and by Daniel. And, like, there's been a bunch of calls missed against them. And, you know, Keith complained openly that Matthews hasn't drawn a penalty this year. Like he, he was like, which isn't entirely true, but the point is, I'm surprised that, that the league wouldn't like find, like that's pretty openly criticizing. He league. did it very, very, very gently. He did not say anything about the officials. He just said, I, I think it's a little bit interesting. Well, he said, yeah, that, that would be interesting for someone who's looking at things like that or something. He's like, yeah. okay, well, who's going to be looking at things like that? The, the people in charge of the, the referees. He just, I, I, I just think when you're that big and that strong and that good, a lot of that stuff just gets overlooked because like it doesn't affect them. Like Matthews just kind of powers through it all, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But it's, it's interesting. The league does not do a very good job. I don't think in terms of like public accountability with its officials, like the, the NBA publishes like last two minute reports where they'll basically say this call was wrong. This call was right. Mm -hmm. This call was wrong. The NHL doesn't, I don't like think, can you imagine if the league did that and they like audited the officials and it was public? What, what, if, they, be what if they looked at every penalty call and it was like a, this was a good call, this was a bad call? Well, I'm sure they do that internally. Yeah. But why not after that game? Well, because some of those calls say, in that Winnipeg game were zeros out of 10. Like they're right, just come they're back terrible. after that game and say, that should have been a penalty on Dubois and only Dubois. That should have been a knee on Spezza. That should have been a knee on Pionk. We missed these calls. They don't do any of that. It just leads to kind of like this Those culture of un- are tough, unaccountability. Right? It's just like, yeah, yeah. I don't think Pionk was trying to turn him. It just felt like kind of but, instinctual. But if you look at like the last second on that one, he, the, he like shifts yeah, his position sure. to clip his leg. Yeah. I think that's, yeah. Like that could have been, Sarah could have been out for three months. Yeah. That was bad. Uh, let's get to the next question. That's a good question. I don't know the answer to this. With Frederick Anderson gone, who is Matthew's best new buddy on the team? Seriously. I kind of think 
than this from Heather. I kind of think it might be bunting, like in terms of new teammate. Well, like I think they showed them at the Raptor game. He was close with Riley, back. but Riley's like domesticated now. So yeah. Well, and Bunting's like pretty close to the same age. He's like a fun kind of outgoing guy. I don't know. Yeah, Matthews. Marner a little bit. Well, for Matthews sure. is one of the single guys, right? So those guys tend to hang out with each other. And yeah, I don't know. It's like we're not in the dressing room enough right yeah, now. We it's don't, tough. We don't know what's going on. We don't. We don't have a good enough, an accurate enough picture of all the cliques that are forming. The cliques. Like, it, it does seem like a, well, there are cliques in NHL dressing rooms. Sure, but you know, it does seem that the team is pretty close in general. Yeah, they seem to like. I mean, they seem to love Richie. I mean, their reactions to him scoring, wanting him to score. I mean, even hearing from Richie him after kinda, the game. Does he, he sort of seems like he's maybe like a class clown kind of a guy. Like he's I kind of like goofy or something. So? I don't really well, I don't know. Sense. He just, maybe he's just a guy that they like to joke around with. I don't know. I don't know. He's always making weird faces. and Like, have you seen the, like the gifts of Richie? Yes. On, like, Some of them are pretty funny. <laughs> he always looks like... He, you know, he's like sitting on the bench and it's like the people will caption it with like, Richie just found out he's in a hockey game or something like that. <laughs> All right. Next question. Why isn't this called the Mert bag? John wants to know. Well, because you're here. Yeah. I mean, we can call it the Mert bag if you want. No, thanks. Pod bag is not. It sounds like. It was just something we started calling it, it like internally. And then it's Star just, Wars or something that got rejected. Yeah. Uh, all right, next question. What do you think about Clifford's return so far from Chris? I thought he played well against Columbus. That was the best game I've seen him play. <laughs> they were, they were James, they were really facing some interesting questions had all these injuries not happened and Mikheyev comes back. Obviously, yeah. Clifford would have gone down. Um, Anderson would have gone down, which he ended up going down anyway. These call-ups wouldn't have happened. I really wondered what they were going to do because the one guy who didn't, who hadn't earned a spot in the lineup, assuming everyone was healthy, was Richie. Now, we have talked about it on the podcast before, would they really wave Richie? Obviously, they didn't have to, it didn't have to come to that. And he's played better in, in recent weeks. I really think, Jonas, that that's why they were looking at trading Dermot or Hall, is because like the, the cap crunch and they didn't want to wave one of their forwards. But that's, that's not good asset management. Like, look what happens. One guy gets injured and suddenly you have to play. Well, I think that the, the ideal plan for them was you move a Dermot and you get another defenseman who makes less. Who's yeah, like your or maybe you guy. don't think Dermot's that much better than Rubens. I don't know. No, I don't. Yeah, I, I think that they think that Rubens can come in and play 12 minutes a game. Which he did in the and first he looked game. Fine, he looked right? fine, Yeah. He really moves well for someone his size. Yeah. Um, I'm envious. I wish I moved well for my size. Yeah. I just don't know, like, in a playoff series, if your fourth line is Clifford, Spatz, or Simmons. Like, that That to me doesn't really work. Mm, I think I think. I guess it depends Clifford's on the fine is like your 13th forward, right? Who, like, comes in at times. Yeah. And the thing with Clifford is that you look at his analytical profile and he's really good defensively and he doesn't give you a whole lot offensively. He's basically what he, he's, he's, he, he's in the good positioning all the time. Toughness, James. He's tough. Well, I don't know. The Leafs front office seems to have seen the light on the toughness piece now. <laughs> all right. Last question. Curtis wants to know what we think of the power play unit, top power play unit without Marner. I mean, we haven't seen it. A whole lot. No. Um, and the thing, too, with Marner is that it's not like his role isn't as prominent as it used to be, right? Like, I think that no. like that position where he's at, he's still kind of finding his way a little bit. And 
there's probably going to be some other players that can step into that role and not be as good as Marner, but not be so much of a drop-off that it impacts how the power play, how successful they are. You're right. Well, because it's not being... He's not just holding the puck the whole time like he used to. It's no, kind of moving around all the time. quick decisions and yes. like... Is that the bumper role, would you call it? He's not in the bumper role anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but they move around so often that he sometimes ends up there. Right. They just don't... Like, that was one of the things that stuck out at camp with Spencer Carberry is he wants them to, like, move it quick and, like, make decisions. Chaos, and, like, man. Chaos. Chaos, man. Chaos Carberry. The chaos number one power play unit. Even their number two unit has pretty, been pretty good when it's gotten the chance Isn't from time it, to time. It's from South Park, right? Was it Dr. Chaos or something like I'm that? I'm the wrong guy to ask for that. Well, our listeners know. They do indeed. All right. Anything else you want to talk about today that I haven't mentioned? Um, huh. No, I think that I think that that's about it. You were mentioning. Actually, this is one thing we should talk about briefly before we go. You were mentioning when we were watching the game, like what happened with Arizona and Bunting. It is a really good question. Well, look, there's a team where you look at their forward line. I mean, it's like it's like it's a. <laughs> I'm going to say something. It's a it's a desert. <laughs> and their their forward lineup like there's like well they just took on a bunch of crap from like other teams just to like, like they're rebuilding. Yeah. You're rebuilding a guy like Bunting should be like on your second line, right? Like And then trade him for something. Well, or not just, just let him go. Or just keep him. Maybe maybe he becomes a good player for you. Like I mean, how do you like draft a guy like that? Have him in your AHL system for 3 years and then like and then just he, he, so they didn't play him enough in the NHL, mm-hmm. so he got what's called Group Six UFA status. If you don't play enough games by the time you're is he twenty five, twenty six, twenty six. By the time you're twenty six, you become a UFA early, mm-hmm. which is what happened to him. That's terrible asset management. Like just yes. play the guy in the NHL, and then he doesn't become a UFA right away. Well, you remember the story uh, I think Katie Strang did about the Coyotes and their dysfunction. It, kind of yeah, makes people, sense if you haven't read that that's one of the best stories we've done we, we, we've been putting together our like year-end best stories of the year uh, i'm sorry jonas you didn't make the list but for the whole company bunting what the, f- the that bunting no, i love well the it's like a, the best four hockey stories in the whole company uh, for, for the year so oh, screw you guys but the, <laughs> the, <laughs> the katie strang arizona that deserves it is there yeah do you want to know who the number one center is for the arizona coyotes uh this is great uh, i've seen them a little bit recently he is a former Leaf. Is it Galchenyuk right now? It is Travis Boyd. This according to the huh. Daily Faceoff lines. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're like trying to lose, right? So Gal- like... Do you know where Galchenyuk is? Fourth line? Fourth line yeah, center. His minutes are like... His minutes are way He down. made a mistake, man. Well... He made a mistake he, and not come back to he went Leafs. there for family reasons. Like he's, he's, you know... I don't know if his wife's from there or what, but he's like got like family there and stuff. I think it was... I don't think it would have been a good thing for the Leafs to bring him back. I know that might not be the popular opinion, but I just don't think you could. Where would trust he have him. played? Right? Like, I guess maybe. Well, I guess he'd play. I mean, in theory, you don't sign Richie, you sign Galchenyuk, and mm. Galchenyuk plays. Well, at least he got some extra money, right? Like, yeah. at least you don't commit to two years of like they two wouldn't have paid. I thought the Galchenyuk would have been like a million bucks or something. Yeah. Anyway, all right. Well, should we talk more about the Coyotes? <laughs> I had Goss to spare in my pool, and he was crushing it because they have no, they had no one else on the power play. Their first line is Keller, who could play Boyd, and our boy Phil Kessel, who's nearing the end of his contract. I'm not sure if the, I think this is the last year of his deal. Yeah, it is. That 
long deal that they signed. Well, because the Leafs get out from that retention number. Yeah. So we're talking about their cap situation next year. So the cap's going to go up about a million bucks. So the Leafs get a million bucks there. And then 1.2. They get rid of the 1.2 from Kessel. So there's 2.2. That basically covers the raise that Riley's getting. Mm-hmm. And then you just got to find some, uh, you got to find, Campbell makes 165. You got to find like another three and a half million to get him to his new contract. And that could be like, get rid of Richie. But then you also need to, I think, improve your defense. You're going to lose Mikheyev. But like, telling you, man, Sandine in the top four. All right. Enter Sandman. All right. Uh, so next week, we are on the road. They are on the road in Western Canada. Yeah. Do you see it's going to be minus 16 in Edmonton? Oh, my God. Bring your woolies. Oh, God. I love the Western Canada trip. I like it for the games. I like it because it. I feel like I'm home. Wow. The hill starts singing. Don't you have one of those home is Toronto shirts or no? The home is not Toronto. Uh, still? Well, I mean, it's like, it's technically where I live, but I don't know. There's like when I step off the plane in BC, it's like, oh yeah, here we go. And I did, I lived in Alberta for a little while too. I lived in, I worked at the newspaper in Bonneville, Alberta. Not Bonnie Vare? No, it's called Bonneville. Do you know who Bonnie Vare is? Uh, it's a singer. Is that right? Nice. No, Bonneville. It's like a French community in Northern Alberta. Oh, wow. I lived there and worked. So you kind of have like the Riley vibe a little bit where you're from BC, but this is home. Yeah. Yeah. It's like being from two places. It's weird. So you like, you always miss like parts of whatever place you're in. Well, I imagine you miss the scenery because Toronto is not super scenic. Most of it. Yeah. Anyway. Well, like I, where I grew up, it's like a big valley and like everyone's house is like on the side of the valley and everyone has like this view of this like landscape and whatever. And like. You, you can't get that in Toronto. But it's kind of in the middle of nowhere, right? Yeah. Well, especially now, the highway got completely washed out with all that. So, like, you can't even go anywhere. I got it. Someone sent me a picture of Costco the other day, and there was nothing on the shelves. And Are you a Costco guy? We When I lived in BC, we were. Okay. Going to Costco was an event. Yeah, got to get I here. Got, I got to get into it here because my kids are like... I, my kids, like, I was like, how are we out of milk already? Do you know how much milk kids drink? <laughs> We go through like four liters in like five or six days. Growing children. Yeah, my children are gonna, I don't know. And I, I had to buy like a giant deep freezer for the garage too, so like I could put all of the Freeze food. some steaks. All right, the podcast has gone off the rails. I, I don't like to let that happen. I've let it happen. James, we will talk next week from your home in Western Canada. Yes. Thank you to everyone for listening. And, and if you haven't signed up for The Athletic, go to theathletic.com slash sleep report. Give it as a gift. Uh, it's gift time. Yeah, we're giving out gift subscriptions. Just go to the site and look for the gift subscription link. If you can't find it, ask me on Twitter and I will tell you where it is. Done. We will talk next week. Goodbye, James. <laughs> <laughs>